0: Tim Hobbs like Contest.
1: <laughs>
0: As you all know, Tim is in um, Georgia with his mother uh, and his brothers. They are um, doing a little housework with his mother. He will be back next week um, here with us. Today, let us welcome uh, Reverend Bill McCann. Bill is the... Um, okay. Bill is the chaplain at the Regional Medical Center in Madisonville. He has been there 27 years, yay. Um, he grew up in Houston, Texas, and I asked him how he got, I mean, in Fort Worth, Texas. Sorry, I jumped you. Um, he grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and and did his um, his uh, seminary training at Southern back in the day, when it really was, and, um, Sorry. <laughs> Um, and he did his uh, chaplain residency at the University of um, Mississippi uh, Medical Center, and I asked how he got from there to Madisonville. Um, and he said pretty much um, there, was, there was a job, <laughs> and God brought him here. He and his wife, Tracy, have two children, one in college, one in high school, um, and we are most pleased that you are here. Thank you for being here. He looks more like Tim than I do. (laughs) Um, By way of announcements, you will uh, notice on the back of your bulletin, um, Mary Dunham will speak more about this later uh, in just a minute, but today is the Sunday fun day for our children uh, from noon until two o'clock. Wednesday is our Lenten luncheon that uh, we will be hosting here. It is the second in the series of our community Linton uh, services that uh, you all know that we do community wide. The is sponsored by the Ministerial Association, and we will be uh, hosting that here uh, on Wednesday. The service will begin at noon. Lunch will be um, after that at twelve thirty. Um, so, uh, let me encourage you to be here. Jerry, do is there anything else we need to know about? lunch jerry wagner's got lunch prepared for 160 people and i bow to her expertise Um, saturday next saturday is the runway red fashion show and lunch which again will be here this church stays right busy Um, it will be here as you know that's a fundraiser for matthew 25 Um, it is a great Fun, fun time! It starts at eleven a.m. If you have not bought tickets for that, see Jika. Um, right? We don't have any more tickets. If you don't have, if you don't have a ticket, yay! Um, and you still would like to make a donation? See Jika. <laughs> We might can get you some tickets. Yay, this is great. Uh, If you would like to volunteer, be a volunteer for that. Or if you have volunteered for that, please see Brittany. Um, Brittany? Brittany? There she is. Um, Immediately after the worship service, um, if all the volunteers would meet briefly with Brittany after the worship um, as you know, that there is a competition going on in our um, Bible study class. This is through um, Easter, the class with the greatest percentage of weight loss. <laughs> Actually, the greatest percentage of weight gain, because we're trying to um, get folks in for our Bible study. Um, we'll, we'll win a uh, pizza party sponsored by the other Bible study classes. Um, Today, I am proud to say that my class, every seat had a person sitting in it. So, I, I'm excited about that. Okay, some, one of those was Nora, and she belongs to another class, but. I'm going to count her. <laughs> we're going
2: to have, my class
1: going to have
0: fun
2: where right? she out
0: how to do <laughs> um, So please join us at 945. If you don't currently come to a Bible study class um, on Sunday morning, let me encourage you to do that. Um, There are classes for children, high school students. There are classes for um, adults. Uh, Jika teaches a class, Pat Zimmerman teaches a class, I teach a class, Nora teaches a class, Herb Pritchett teaches a men's class. You can find a class. Um, There are children's classes, preschool classes, uh, teenagers, Youth classes, um, there's a class for everybody. So let me encourage you to join a Bible study class. Um, Mary Dunham has um, some announcements about our children's ministry. Um, You all know Mary Dunham. She is our new minister of
3: children. Thank you, Mrs. Mary. The other Mary... You know, I don't think I publicly said thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to work with our kids. So let's start out with that. Thank you so much. But I really don't have a whole lot to do with it because we have such a wonderful group of people. And this is what we're going to do. I want to just kind of go over what we have for your children right now. So in our Sunday school at 945, we always have Miss Judy back in the infant room. Miss Judy also stays back there through church services. So you, if you have an infant up to age two, you are welcome to take that child back to Miss Judy for Sunday school or church. In the next room, during Sunday school, it's open. And by the way, if you have not been back in this children's section, you need to take a look because Greg Gibson lead, led a group of people to make that just adorable. Um, during Sunday school. The second room is empty. The third room is now Lauren Hall. Lauren, where are you? Can you please stand up? Lauren has donated her time. Lauren Hall is our teacher for age two, three, and four for Sunday school. And I'm proud to say, Lauren, you have a total of four kids so far in our contest. Good job, Lauren. We'll get more little ones. Next, in the next room during Sunday school is Lana Hobgood. Everybody knows Lana. Lana, stand stand up. Thank you. All right, children's teachers, Lana is the person to beat. Lana takes care of ages, uh, excuse me, grades, kindergarten, first and second. She's leading the contest right now. After two weeks, she has 13. So if you're in Miss Lana's class, woo! Not far behind, where's Cindy Hall? Oh, Cindy Hall. Uh-oh. Okay. During Sunday school, Cindy Hall has grades 3, 4, and 5, and after two weeks, she has a total of 11. Let's hear it for Cindy. Where's your kid? Okay, Cindy's kids. Let's hear it for Cindy. All right, well, let's see if Tim Hall. Where's Tim Hall? Tim Hall. Okay. Tim Hall is middle school. Tim still has a chance. You have nine after two weeks. Let's hear it for Tim Hall. Chris Hobgood, our Sunday school teacher for high school. Oh, excuse me. All right. Let's hear it for Chris Hobgood. You have eight after two weeks. All right. You guys are still a little weak. All right. Um, A couple more announcements. April 3rd, another new person for Children's Church. Now, Children's Church, if you're not familiar with this, after Children's Moment, which will be in just a second, we ask that any child up to grade two go back to this room, and today it's me, Ages 2, 3, and 4 go with Kelsey, and that's the room next to the infant room. And then starting soon, Kurt Haynes. Kirk, stand up. Yeah. Has very graciously agreed to start a children's church during our church services for grades 3, 4, and 5. So as soon as we get that set up, guys, if you're in grades 3, 4, and 5, After Children's Moment, you will leave and go with Kirk Haynes to the room in the corner upstairs for Children's Church. Now, speaking of that, we have to get that room ready. April 3rd, right after church services, we're going to spend about a couple of hours painting, getting it cleaned up, and getting it ready for Kirk to do his ministry for that grade level. Okay? Any volunteers, please see Brittany for painting and lunch that day. Lunch will be served. Okay, last but not least... Fun Day. You remember last week a lot of people were sick, including me. We canceled Fun Day for grades three, four, and five. Today's your day. Thanks to a very gracious min, uh, person in our church who gave a very generous donation to the children's ministry, third, fourth, and fifth grade, you have been invited to go to lunch outside the church and to go play putt putt outside the church with the youth group today. Okay? So if you are in grades three, four, and five, please stay after church. We'll leave here. We'll be back about three o'clock this afternoon. We'll go to lunch and we'll have, go play putt-putt grades three, four, and five. And that's all I have. Thank you so much. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
0: That's all right.
1: Go ahead.
0: Oh, you're gonna no. Go ahead. Good
1: morning. morning. Thank you. Jesus oh.
0: not. And if you have not already uh signed the guest register and passed it down the road, please do that too. Thank you.
2: Thank uh. you. Worship service for us, we're going to do lots of the same things that older people do for worship. We're going to learn what it and worship God. Uh, some of the things that we've done already in this morning, is we've already done in worship? We sang, we sing, what else can we do?
1: We've
2: greeted each other. How are you?
1: Good? <laughs> Good. Uh, right. Good.
2: Uh,
4: You are a stumbling block
2: to me, for you are setting your mind not on the things of God, but on human things. Matthew 16, 21, 22, and 23.
0: As Jesus journeys toward his fate in Jerusalem, he shares his deepest, innermost thoughts with his disciples. He knows what awaits him in Jerusalem, and he wants his disciples to have their eyes open as they enter into this phase of their time together. So he warns them, I go to Jerusalem to die. Peter does not understand and wants to prevent the inevitable from happening. Who among us would not do the same? Yet Jesus warned Peter not to be an obstacle to his destiny. And so today we join Peter in hesitantly stepping aside as Jesus takes another step toward Jerusalem. We extinguish extinguish another candle, recognizing Jesus' temptation to turn aside, but he didn't. He steadfastly journeyed toward Jerusalem and toward his cross.
5: Today our passage is taken from Luke, chapter 18, verses 18 through 27. May we all rise and stand out of respect for reading God's holy word. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He replied, I have kept all these since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, There is still one thing lacking. Sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? He replied, What is impossible for mortals is possible for God. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today and ask that you would bless our time with you. We praise you for giving us the opportunity to be a part of your work and for giving us the technology to better serve you. We ask you now, Father, that you would remove any barrier that stands between us and you. Tune our senses to what you want to speak to us about today and prepare our hearts and spirits to be changed according to your divine will. For it is in Jesus' holy name that we do pray. Amen. the gospel to us and we pray
2: that you will help us to give as we're led and that this can be to bring your message to other people too. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.
4: Thank you for that. You. It's good to be with you this morning. I feel like I'm connected to you in several ways. I know several of the folks who are here. Uh, we've known each other a long time, Joe and Cindy and Herb. And I have the privilege of uh, fellowshipping with your pastor, Tim, and with Jerry about once a month as a group of us get together for a peer learning group. And so I'm familiar with your church through them, and I appreciate very much Tim's invitation to to be with you today in his absence. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to our passage of Scripture. It's in Luke, the 18th chapter, beginning with verse 18. And I'd invite you to think along with me as we look at this familiar passage of scripture uh, this morning I have here an instrument does anyone know what this is you may not be able to see it that well any of you kids know what that is A a compass it's a compass A compass is useful for getting unperplexed. And I've used it that way a number of times. In fact, some people might have described my situation less as being perplexed and more as being lost. But be that as it may, it helped me to find out where I was and where I needed to go. And with a map, you can take this instrument and you can find where you are and find out where you need to head. And it's possible because a compass identifies and points to a fixed reference. And with that fixed reference, you can plot where you are on a map. For some folks, this is kind of the pre-first generation GPS. (laughs) But a compass illustrates something of our scripture for today. There was a, a man who is seeking to find his way, seeking to get his bearings. And this is a good story for the Lenten season. Lenten, Lent is a time for prayer and fasting and sacrificial giving. And Luke records in this particular section, this story in a particular section of his book that many commentators refer to as the journey to Jerusalem. In chapter 9, verse 51, Luke tells us that Jesus resolutely set his course for Jerusalem. And here we're coming toward the end of of that journey toward Jerusalem. And for us, the, the season of Lent is a spiritual journey to Jerusalem and to the cross, and ultimately to resurrection. And it's interesting that each of the synoptic gospel writers records this particular story, so it must have been important in the early life of the church. Matthew tells us that the man who came to Jesus was young. Luke adds the fact that he was a ruler, possibly a ruler of a synagogue or maybe a Jewish Uh, administrative official of some sort, and all of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell us that he was a person of great wealth. And it's also interesting, if we look just preceding this particular story, that each of the Gospel writers precedes this story with an event in Jesus' life where children were coming to him. And the disciples were trying to keep the kids away. And Jesus, in no uncertain terms, said, Let them come to me. And then, in a rather pointed way, he said, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I wonder if these two events, the children coming to Jesus and the young rich man, a ruler, coming to Jesus, weren't connected. I wonder if maybe he did not hear Jesus make that statement and he saw this rabbi allow children, not particularly valued or considered of importance, to come to him and to interact with him. And I wonder if maybe that didn't precipitate his question to Jesus of what must I do to inherit eternal life. This wasn't the first time that a person had come to Jesus with this question. If we look back in Luke's Gospel to the 10th chapter, we find another man who asked this very same question, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That person was a legal expert, a lawyer, and he was asking that question for the specific purpose of testing Jesus. And out of that interaction, Jesus responded with a story, the story of the compassionate Samaritan, that radically redefined who our neighbor is and what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves and what it means to love God through loving our neighbor. Well, in this particular situation, it wasn't a test. The man came trying to get his bearings, trying to verify that he was headed in the right direction. He wanted to confirm that he was rightly related to God. And so he comes to Jesus with his question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He senses in Jesus that Jesus is one who is different, that he's one in whom goodness is present, But Jesus' response is a bit surprising. He deflects that uh, description of himself as good and says that's a quality of God alone. Jesus perhaps knows that the man is maybe looking to make a, a judgment about what is good enough for him to inherit the kingdom. And he knows that goodness can be reflected in what we do. But goodness is basically a quality that belongs to God. It belongs essentially to who one is. And ultimately, it's a gift of God to us. Any goodness that we can claim is something that God has himself endowed us with. And when we get into the, the situation of looking at goodness as primarily related to what we do, it tempts us to take a minimalist approach. You have probably heard the phrase somewhere along the line, that's good enough for government work. And that illustrates the temptation to a minimalist approach. To think about what's good enough to get by. What can I do that will get it done but no more? And Jesus May have sensed in the man that he was asking that kind of question. Good teacher, what do I need to do? What's the basic level that will get me into the kingdom, that will obtain for me eternal life? And Jesus deflects that because that's not the way to approach the question. He begins by saying, You know the commandments. You know what to do. And he cites several of them. It's interesting that he picks commandments that come from the second half of the Decalogue. It's the social gospel side of the Ten Commandments, those things that relate to other people. And he recites those, and the man responds to him, well, ever since I've been a boy, I have observe those things i have i've kept those commandments and there wasn't a reason to doubt his sincerity in saying that he had kept those jesus doesn't question that at all mark in his gospel tells us at this point an important thing he says that jesus looked at him after he responded with i have kept those commandments and it says jesus loved him And it's there that we find kind of the break point in this story. Because Jesus then says a difficult word. You still lack one thing. Now, what could that thing be? Well, Jesus had left out one of the commandments in the last half of the Decalogue. It was the commandment not to covet. And so maybe he began to think, is he talking about not coveting? Well, surely not. That couldn't be where he's going with this because I'm wealthy. I don't need anything that anyone else has. I can buy it myself. So likely he dismissed that as a possibility. He may have wondered, are we going to the first half of the Ten Commandments? Those commandments that say you'll have no other gods before me, that you should worship only the one true God, that you should not make any graven images or use the Lord's name in vain. You may have wondered about that. But surely he wasn't lacking there because he was a synagogue official. He was one who had been blessed by God because he had accumulated wealth. And in that day and time, that was viewed as one of the primary evidences of God's favor. If you were wealthy, if you had more than enough, God had blessed you with that, and you must be living right. And so it'd be logical to draw the conclusion from the conversation so far that as he's kept the commandments, as he served as a leader in the synagogue, as a Jewish ruler, that things are okay. And that's what he wanted confirmation of. And so he waited for Jesus to answer his unspoken question, what is that thing I lack? He waited for Jesus to tell him what he lacked so he could go and do it and settle his restless heart. Jesus said to him, go, sell, give it away. Come and follow. There's probably a stunned silence as he said those words. You may have read recently that Bill Gates is now the number two richest man in the world. He has been the richest man in the world for almost 14 years. But Forbes tells us that now he's the second richest man in the world. Someone has surpassed him. But we really can't blame him losing his position on Bill Gates. Because Bill Gates didn't lose his position, he gave it away. You may have heard last year, about a year ago, that Bill Gates and Warren Buffett proposed to the wealthiest people in America that they donate a significant portion of their wealth to philanthropy. And this became known as the Giving Pledge. You can look it up online and find a list of all the people there who have taken that pledge uh, at his urging. There are some significant folks there. Um, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook has taken the pledge. Ted Turner of CNN and Turner Broadcasting has taken the pledge. George Lucas of Star Wars fame has taken the pledge, and so is Michael Bloomberg, the mayor of New York and a total of 59 in all who have taken that pledge as wealthy people to give away most of their wealth to philanthropy. It's a remarkable thing that they would decide to do that, to make that kind of generous sacrifice for the well-being of others. And if our rich young man were present today, he might be approached by Bill Gates To take that pledge and it would be a pretty good deal compared to the words of jesus bill gates so far has given up about one-third of his wealth to his foundation in order to provide philanthropic help he would easily be the wealthiest person on forbes list if he hadn't done so and our rich young man would probably be happy to give up a third of his wealth or maybe even a half it would have been a stretch, he probably would have had to have thought about it, but he could have done that to settle his restless heart. But Jesus comes to him and says, you need to sell all that you have, and then you need to give it to the poor, and then you need to come and follow me. It was a stunning comment from Jesus. But it was rooted, as Mark says, in a realistic love for this young man. But he just couldn't get his mind wrapped around it. He knew that you couldn't serve God and mammon, and if someone had asked him that question, he probably would have been very uh, able to say, well, certainly God comes first. But apparently there had been kind of a creeping uh, situation in his life where mammon came to take more and more influence and control and now he finds it very hard to let go of that it also goes against the grain of what he had been raised and taught he'd been taught if you keep the commandments you'll be blessed and he had been blessed with wealth that was a sign of god's favor and god's blessing And now to give that all away seemed to be to sort of throw that up in the face of God. Why would you have me give this away when you have blessed me? And obviously this tells others that keeping your commandments is what we should do. It just didn't seem to fit. He could only see what he had to lose. And the scripture tells us across all three gospels, that he became very sad. I guess most of us would. If we were asked to sell everything we had, give it away, and go follow Jesus,
1: we would probably
4: become very sad. Jesus said to the young man, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus knew what his struggle was, and he knew that it was a struggle that he had to face and had to deal with. He knew it was a situation where the young man had to hear the bad news before he could hear the good news. And the other writers tell us that the man went away sorrowful, and that's a good thing because it said that he didn't go away, oh, well, That wasn't the answer I wanted. He went away thinking about it. And maybe at some point, he came around to the place where he could follow Jesus' direction. But the disciples and those who were around were also quite shocked and stunned by what Jesus said to this young man. They asked, well, who then can be saved if it's as hard for a rich man to go into the kingdom of God as it is for a camel, the largest animal that those folks knew about, through the eye of a needle, the smallest opening that they could think of. If it's that impossible, that hard a task, what hope is there for any of us? And that's when Jesus says something, the, the good news breaks through. He says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible for persons is possible with God. The question the man had brought had been, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Think about that question for a minute. Does it make sense? How do you inherit something is it based on something that you do or is it based on something about who you are inheriting something comes not from something that we do but it comes out of another's generosity and grace toward us and out of our relationship with that person We don't do anything to inherit. We simply be. And the other person's grace and generosity touches us in a way that we don't deserve and that we haven't earned and that is solely rooted in their decision. One doesn't do and therefore inherit eternal life. Rather, it's a gift and it must be received. As Jesus told his disciples, as a little child, one who just with open arms takes what's offered. And so Jesus had offered to this man this gift in his invitation to come and follow me. That's really what the crux of this story is about. It's not about going and selling. It's about coming and following. And Jesus offers that opportunity to this rich young ruler. He offers him, come follow me, travel with me, share life with me, join me in developing a relationship together. Jesus points the young man to the fixed point of reference of God's grace and love and invites him to align himself with that fixed point of reference and to receive it as a little child would receive it, who's dependent on his or her parent and their grace and love. But the man was not able to see that initially. He was focused on what he had to give up and on the bad news that comes before the good news. But the good news for us today is that just as Jesus offered this invitation to this rich young man, as he offered to him, come and follow me, he also invites us to journey with him, to journey with him to Jerusalem, to face the cross, but ultimately to experience resurrection. And perhaps today we're trying to get our bearings. Perhaps we're struggling with questions and a restless heart. Perhaps we have questions about, are we headed in the right direction? Are we rightly aligned in our relationship with God? We may wonder if perhaps we're in an impossible situation. And the word comes to us that what is impossible with humans is possible with God. Just ask, Sarah and Abraham in Genesis it tells us that they were told what's impossible with men is possible with God and they had a child late in life who became the heir of the promise that God had given them that they would become a great nation and that all the world would be blessed through them or ask Jeremiah Jeremiah was told that what's impossible with men is possible with God As all of his people were being carted off to Babylon into captivity, God tells him, go buy some property because you're coming back. No one could see that. It was so dark that the possibility of ever coming back really didn't exist. But Jeremiah does it anyway because what's impossible with men is possible with God. And even in Luke's Gospel, Ask Mary. An angel appears to her and says, you're going to have a child. And she says, how can this be? I'm not even married yet. And the angel tells her that she will become the mother of God's child. He says, what's impossible with human beings is possible with God. There's a whole litany of folks who have experienced that that same thing in their lives. It wasn't just this young man or the wealthy who faced that, but it's all of us. And we have the witness of Scripture that what's impossible for us is possible for God. And ultimately, as we take this Lenten journey with Jesus toward Jerusalem, we get our bearings, we find that it really is true. What's impossible for us is possible with God as God raises Jesus from the dead. And with that, gives us the hope that he can do the same in our lives. And so Jesus points us to the fixed reference of God's amazing grace, his amazing love for us. Can we receive the gift that he offers? And can we face the bad news that may come before the good news and give up what stands in the way of following him? Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we thank you for the witness of your scripture. And we pray that as we look at this story, a familiar story, that we can put ourselves into the story and find what you would have to say to us. And as we listen for your voice, we pray that you would help us to respond. (coughs) We pray this in the name of the one who loves us, even Jesus. Amen. We come to a time of invitation, and perhaps God has been speaking to you. Perhaps there are decisions that you need to make or or bearings that you need to get under control. We invite you to respond however God leads you. Mary will be here at the front to receive you. And so let's stand and respond as God leads us.